Hello, Sojourners. This is Jonathan. This is the second part of the episode, Burial of Serena. Hopefully by now you have gathered that the Sojourners are in the midst of a conflict in the universe known as the Blood War. This is an evil versus evil campaign where the demons and the devils vie for power on the battlegrounds of Avernus. And we have found that that conflict is spilling over into the material plane which is the Sojourner's home, the Plain of Bonsaro. As we wrap up this episode, we will find out which path the Sojourners take to resolve this conflict. I hope you enjoyed as much fun as we had making it. And so for now, our story continues. And the Citadel resumes business as usual. With the four of you gathering around, how do you proceed from this day with your bellies full, your clothes fine, your items close at hand, and each of you within speaking distance, you begin to look into each other's eyes and look out into the wild horizon standing outside of Grovelore. How do you proceed? Gandon's gonna slap Felton on the back. Mighty fine speech there, brother. Think that uh, shook the very foundations, but... Uh... Now well, let's be about it. Agreed, we must leave. Let's start walking off some of this beer that I've drank over this last year. You are looking a little tubby there, Garadun. We gotta get some more work in you. Hope my armor still fits. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think, I think we need to just leave. I don't even know if we know where we're going yet, but it's time to start leaving town. And... Um, so I think Felthran would then uh, turn to somebody that can make sure that we're loaded up with the provisions we need. Uh, make sure I've got a nice, uh, a nice size uh, skin of dwarvish ale and uh, and some rations and and let's go. Okay, uh, let's see. Are we gonna take a cart? I, I imagine you have a wagon, a double double horsed wagon that you could kind of like a maybe a covered wagon that you could uh, keep sheltered from the rain to your east you could go to the Deserin valley towards red larch to the west you could go all the way to neverwinter one of the cities in waterdeep nation along with the sword coast if you go to the south you end up in waterdeep and if you go to north you end up into more of the wild area of Mirabar, the Neverwinter Wood, the Sword Coast Mountains, a little bit more wild and untamed. If we're seeking gnolls, they'll likely be in the more wild places, but not too far from civilized areas. An astute observation from Hay. Then we head north. That is where the wild places are. So. As we as we start to venture out of town, um, Bramble, especially with his passive perception, is going to see a what looks like a ball of lightning, kind of following along a um, little ways back. Hey, Felthren, is that is that yours? Did you get what? a pet? Oh, 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 yes, Ark, come here, Ark. And uh, you're going to see this little 
like maybe one foot tall, um, lightning elemental, kind of running around like a like a pet. And as he gets close, um, you'll see that um, Felthran has added to his uh, to his armor a, a belt. And and as Ark gets close, the belt will glow a little bit. And um, and then Felthran will turn to you and say, "Ark was a gift from the Lightning King. He's uh, he stays stays close. And if I ever if I'm ever in a dire place, he'll be there to help." Well, aren't you just a fun little thing? And Hay like reaches down and tries to get Ark to jump on his finger. How big is he? Uh, he's a, he's about a foot tall. Yeah. Two legs, one leg, or four uh, four legs. I think I think he um, I think he's on two legs. <laughs> I was thinking Hay was our mascot. Now we've really got one. <laughs> yeah, I think you would almost mistake him for like a fairy from the forest. Uh, but then when he when you get real close, you'll realize that he's more he's more um, he's less solid. He's more kind of just like a little little figure of lightning, basically. As the wagon moves on, hey, the elemental creature arc jumps on your finger, and you feel a slight tingling run up your spine, and that hair on the back of your neck begins to stand up ever so slightly. runs up your shoulder like a roller coaster and begins zipping right back down in a blink of an eye he's on your other hand yeah so i use prestidigitation to form a little crackle of electricity in my other hand and i hold it up to him like i'm trying to feed him and as he's looking at it i'm just kind of narrowing my eyes and looking into arc a little bit he quickly rushes over and begins looking at the light and then looks up at you with permission to touch it. Go ahead. He touches it and it disappears and he becomes twice the size. Intrigued by this, I... Hey, just... He, he continues to try and peer into the essence of Ark. Within a couple seconds, as the wagon moves on and the sun begins going high in the sky at noon... Ark begins to descend back down into a small form. Beltran, was there anything that Hay could pick up as he peers into the essence of who Ark is? I think, Hay, what you would feel is you would feel the positive energy of the plane of Arcadia and of the Lightning King, who is um, a deity in the plane that uh, Felthren is now committed to and embraced into for his afterlife, basically. So over the last year, Felthren has been building relationship through his relationship with Morden, building relationship with the Lightning King, who is one of the four um, archangel demigod type guys that lives and rules in Arcadia, which is another plane uh, that that uh, Felthren is now connected to the Lightning King and to that plane for the afterlife. So, so you get to feel some of that positive energy. As he does, he inhales, he, he leans in close to Ark and inhales just a little bit, and then he murmurs something. A gift, a gift, gift for, you, for you, my lady. My lady. 
hey, what you pick up is this creature has a divine essence to them. As Delphin said, a much more celestial appearance than Fae. But the, the, the energy is very familiar as it's uh, positive and somewhat, and, and somewhat good. The very good thing that, breathe, that enters into your body. The creature begins to, to rub his appendages, his hands, all up and down his body as if the lightning is leaving him. And then he zips inside your nose and then rushes out of your mouth and then quickly walks behind Felthrin as well. As the wagon moves on, Garandan, you're pushing the horses along. You have a very positive smell that you're experiencing at this time. Um, there's a breeze coming through the, the trees. There must be like a clearing or something with some uh, some good uh, vegetation. It's just kind of uh, tickling. It's, uh, it's getting, feels like it's good to be out of it. Like as much as he loved Grovelor, it's like he's like getting that breath back to be on the road and be on the, um, in the wild, so. And Felthrin, as you move along, you have a positive sound that bounces back and forth in your ears and in the presence of everyone else. As they're as they're getting further away from Grove Lore, they're hearing a little bit less of the singing of the of the uh, dwarves, and um, and that's being replaced by the sounds of the forest, which. He hasn't heard a whole lot of in the last year. He's been pretty tied up in Grove lore. So it uh, starts off with um, some birds singing. And um, then as he kind of tunes into what he's hearing, he starts then hearing the leaves crunching underneath the feet of animals. And um, off in the distance, maybe a, a boar rubbing against a tree. And he's just taking in all of the the sounds of the forest and remembering just a couple short years ago that he was living in the forest with the animals as a druid. And uh, it's very, very um, grounding for him. You pass an old stump where Serena and you used to leave messages back and forth. Various fungi would be rearranged in a similar pattern to communicate messages of danger, messages of provision, messages of meeting. Bramble, a very unpleasant sound, uh, excuse me, an unpleasant sight fills your eyes. As you're sitting in the wagon, moving alongside, maybe along the side of the wagon, hanging over the edge or walking alongside the horses, you're moving along a very simple trail, the Tribor Trail, the one that you came up from the, the Desserin Valley. As you're moving closer towards the valley, you see on the left side, the Sword Coast Hills and further, further beyond the mountains. The forest is all around you as the trees hang over this lane that leads all the way into the Desserin Valley. You've still got about three days march at this very time, you see something very forbidding, something wanting, something treacherous. He 
sees the corpse of a deer um, in off into the woods a little bit, not like it's in the middle of the path, um, but it hasn't been eaten. It was just killed. And that's a bit troubling, a bit unsettling to him. Stench hits you in the nose, sound of buzzing flies, a, resh, a, a fresh carcass that wasn't completely eaten, but there's some, there seems to be something strange about the way the creature was killed. And then with this eagle-like sight, you could pick it up. It is but maybe 100, 200 yards off the path in the thicket. Um, it was... it. It's hard to see. I don't see any weapons sticking out of it. Um, not, at this, not at this point. I'm not here on the lane. No one else seems to notice. The horses continue to move down the lane. But I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll say anything about it. It'll just kind of put him in a bit of a funk. Mm -hmm. okay. Hey, while you're moving along, you have a pleasant taste. As the wagon has rumbled along, Hay has gotten a little tired of being jolted by it, and so he's gotten out to walk beside it. And along the way, found a tree trunk, uh, a dead tree trunk that had a, a, a wild honey comb in it. And so he carefully reached in while speaking gently to the bees and scooped out a handful, and he's just been kind of dabbing at it for the last mile or so. Soon enough, you're approaching a wagon. The wagon is set up on the side of the road and there's a gentleman there with his son and they're setting up a small little campsite. They hail you from a distance and you can see they're very local, probably from the Deserin Valley. As you pull up alongside, you can see that they are kitchen supply makers uh, with various pots, pans and spoons, all kinds of plates selling their wares alongside the area. Good evening. Fine day for a travel. Bright and clear. Could we, uh, do you think we might stay with you the night? It's a good idea in this trying time. The roads aren't as safe as they used to be. Uh, what news do y'all bring from uh, Waterdeep? Well, I think it's been a while since any of us were there. We're from around here. Yeah, you, you, you seem familiar. Uh, you can tell he has a Deseran Valley accent. Well, fair enough. Me, me and my boy are just setting up a campsite. Y'all can free to join up if you'd like. You pull your horses over to the side, set up a small campsite, and uh, as night begins to settle in, what sort of preparations do you make? Beltran's going to use his, uh, his uh, skills to go find food. So he's going to go out into the forest and try to scavenge some food, maybe some small animals, maybe uh, some mushrooms or some edible plants and bring them back to offer to the man and his son for to contribute to dinner. Survival check, please. Garandan, how do you prepare? Uh, yeah, he's he's going to be looking at all the kitchen supplies that this guy has. And he's going to be like, are you going to, yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, you got you, you cook with those? And oh well, yeah, we sell them uh, from we make them in in Red Larch, and uh, we just go down to Waterdeep and just up and down the Tribor Trail selling them and everything. You know, most people need them and everything, so it's it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, you should uh, take them to Martin's Bed at uh, Grovelor and uh, 
and uh, we could use some of this equipment. Oh, Grove Lord, it, it's open up again? Uh, you could say good. that. That's good to hear. Morden's beard, huh? Well, that's great. As he collects this brand new client, he seems incredibly excited and uh, begins to show you off a couple of the brass pots and the copy, the copper cups. I mean, they look great. I just want to know like what kind of food you can make on them. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, we were just making a pot of beans, you know, nothing. Oh. Too We've been soaking them all day long and now we're about to cook them. Um, uh, we don't have much in the way of spices. Um, but if you got anything you want to add, feel free to. Um, we got a pretty expendable palate. Oh, no, I've just got alcohol. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, none of that for us. You know, being out here in the wild, we don't we won't have our wits about us. Um, it, not to s- s- scare anyone, but it does seem like we had a couple of wolves out in the night. We heard some hollering going on and um, mm. We passed a couple of places where uh, I normally stop and nobody was there. It, again, it just seems like the roads are pretty quiet. Tell me, uh, these noises you're hearing, are they more of a howling or a high pitch thing? Now that you mention it, it is a little high pitched for a wolf. Mm. I haven't heard a wolf in a while, though. I mean, it's been a while since we had to travel. Wait. He looks at you, suddenly realizing that you seem to know something. What aren't you telling me? You think there's something other than a wolf? No, it's just a good thing we're with together today. Let's just, just relax, enjoy our uh, repast. He kind of pulls his boy close and kind of tells him to get inside the tent. As I sit around the campfire, he begins to smoke a pipe and Bramble. What preparations are you making for this evening? Um, Bramble is going to pull out the remainder of the package of biscuits and chocolate sauce that he got from Morden's beard before he left um and he will he was gonna spread it out over a couple of days even though the chocolate sauce is cold now but he's gonna share it tonight with everybody uh do you share it with the commoner yep yeah he's kind of enjoys this man this reminds me of a good, oh henfolk yeah this there's a good hen place in a red larch if you've ever been there the swinging sword and uh lady kalisa man she's serves up chocolate biscuits and everything they're so good i love going there that's yep. my favorite place to eat in red larch oh man man so good to meet someone from red larch you know yeah oh yeah well you probably recognize our name and we recognize your name it's pretty nice as the conversation continues on, uh, Felthrin returns. Felthrin, during your time, you collected quite a few mushrooms. Uh, you did manage to come across a couple herbs that provide a level of healing, a uh, simple 2d4 plus 4 healing herb. If crushed and ground into a poultice, applying it to a wound, it will slow the bleeding 2d4 plus 4. You said two of them? Oh, yes, two of them. Nice. Thank you. Uh, You do come across a deer carcass. 
see that it's been mangled some way and it lies there dead in the forest and no creature has touched it. Your boots stand still in the thicket as night begins to fall. Felthorne doesn't see anything around or any signs of what might have done that. You look around and you see that the animals have kept quite a they've kept quite a uh, berth away from this creature. It appears that any living thing, even an insect dares get close to this carcass. Felthorne will recognize that, I assume, and, and step away. As you step away, the wind begins to pick up again, as if the forest resumes its song of the evening. And the carcass lies there. Belthrind returns to the campsite, and what does he find Hay doing in making preparations for the evening? Hay is uh, looking at the, you said father and son? Yes. Um... What, what are you doing out here? Oh, well, we run a small little kitchenware shop in Tribor. And, you know, we, we every once in a while we have an overstock, and so we like to travel to Waterdeep to see if we can generate any business. I see, I see. Um, what's the most expensive pot you have to sell? <laughs> most expensive one? Uh, well, we got this, well... It looks fancy. It's pretty much just a regular old stainless steel pot. Um, crafted pretty well, I might add. And he shows you this really big, large uh, boiling pot. And the handles are attached, and there's a nice little lid. And he says, I mean, what makes it really special is, to be quite honest, there's nothing really special about it, but it was just made without any defect. There's no dents. There's no scratches. It's just pristine, perfect. So I'm hoping to find someone in Waterdeep that likes pretty things. You know, us humble folk, we don't care if things have been dented. We will pick them up. They look at that bean pot right there. It's got a nearly got a hole rusted in it, but you know, it cooks up beans. <laughs> but this right here, I'm I'm saving it for a really good purchase. <laughs> it's, How uh, much would you charge about, for it? I mean. I'm, one gold piece. It's probably only worth two silver, but I think I can get one gold piece for it. Make a hundred bucks. Well, I hope you can find someone to buy it. Um, I'm pretty sure I will. People in Waterdeep, they like fancy things. You know, just got to find the right person. Yeah, I've got a spell and I'm trying to find the... <laughs> oh, well, what does Hay progress with? Please continue this. No, I, I'm just trying to find the uh, material component for a spell and it's uh, it needs a thousand gold piece. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, he kind of looks at the disappointment on your face and says, um, well, if you think that's, that's a wrong thing to do, I mean, you just got to understand we got to make a living out here. No, I, I understand. Okay. So he kind of looks at you strange and says, well, that's a strange question to ask. Um, are you in the, the merchant business? No. Not as such. Yawns and sleep begins to take him and his son. The fire begins to boil down to an ember. Beltran, where did you go? Oh, hey, I, I went and found these mushrooms and uh, 
and some healing herbs that uh, I recognized from my days in the forest. But uh, there's a very strange, very strange situation out there. I, uh, I don't know how to explain it except for that uh, there was a deer carcass, but it wasn't eaten. And Did it look diseased? It didn't look diseased, but nothing would go near it. And it almost seemed like when I stepped near it, there was uh, there was a strange force or uh, presence in that area. And then I stepped away, and then it was back to normal. Hmm. Maybe something we want to investigate. May I see? Yeah. A and Feltrin leave the campsite. Garen, Dan, and Bramble, how do you respond to the situation? I want to go too. Yeah. Well, if everyone else is going. <laughs> you leave behind your cart for the two horses on <sighs> the campsite. Okay. Nope. Bramble's going to stay back yeah. to protect the guys. Okay. Or protect our gear. Yeah. He will uh, chip in, though, before they leave. You know, I, I think I might have seen something like that earlier today from the cart. I, I mean, I didn't get close enough to feel anything strange, but I did see another untouched carcass kind of gave me an uneasy feeling two in one day that is odd well we'll make a quick trip out there and come back bramble and let you know what we see uh, lead on felthren our felthren will uh, lead the way felthren indeed you do and you bring garen dan and hay to that same spot you notice the same things it is as if felthren described it rightly there appears to be some force a concentric circle that has disallowed anything living to get within near the carcass. Felthren, you notice this. It is now swollen, nearly twice its size, its belly taut with tension. Oh, that carcass looks different now. Looks like it's, uh, looks like it's filling up with gas or air. It's, uh, it's much larger. I don't want it to explode on us. Garandan's gonna cast a spell magic to see if there's something that can like stop it because it's like he doesn't want to get covered in deer guts. Okay. <laughs> As you channel your energy towards this deer carcass, how close do you get to it? Um, I would stay outside the circle. How close do you have to be to cast a spell magic? About 120 feet. You are close enough. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, hey, during this time. I'm looking at the ground to see if there might be a fairy circle. Uh, mushrooms growing in a, in a rather concentric area. Sure, I think that would be... Um, I'll let you do a perception check or a survival check. I also have proficiency in nature. I didn't know if that would play would in. Definitely give you nature. Go ahead and go for it. 20 total. It seems like a fairy ring, but not from a fairy. There is something very magical about this circle, though. And Garandan, as you cast the spell magic, something does happen. Something big happens. Uh, I'll need you to make a spell attack. It's a 20. Ah, not natural, but... Okay, I was going for 19. 
the deer begins to violently shake back and forth. Beltran and Hay, you look on, the deer carcass begins to rumble as Garandan, you extend and you succeed in dispelling the, the teleportation magic that exists within this deer. It begins to deflate and a horrible stench, a very otherworldly smell begins to fill the area. And hey, you notice, as the more Garandan dispels this magic, the circle begins to diminish and plants begin to grow back. I cast Prestidigitation to make a, a light orange smell in the air to kind of counteract. So my Febreze. <laughs> so now it smells like this horrible stench with this citrusy smell mixed in with it. Oh, that's, oh, it's in my nose. Oh. As you push forward, you notice the ground that the circle had touched is boggy and sloppy and a strange dark tar sticks to each of your feet. Garandan, as you get closer and push the magic deep within this deer, it shrivels up into a skeleton and a demonic hand reaches forth from the belly and claws the ground around it. And then a shoulder breaks forth from the deer and you hear a horrible abyssal shriek as a creature begins to squeeze through the last remaining issue of this portal. Felthrin, you see this with your own eyes. Felthrin would probably go to smash it over the head with his hammer. Push past Garandan. You raise up your hammer. You smash it down. The hand breaks off. Garandan, do you close the portal? Yeah. A vacuum exists, a small crater in the ground and the carcass of a deer that is now skeletal and stench, stinking, rotting away. And this horrible demon arm begins to turn into this black goo shrieking bramble you hear this sound this horrible abyssal shriek it startle it doesn't startle the, the old man and his son but your ears pick it up in the distance and all is quiet once again save for the sweat sounds of tar and bog beneath your feet well that was unexpected I don't think I'm looking forward to this demon and devil time. But, uh, sounds like they're encroaching already. So. But yes, it would be a... not a nice fate for anyone who is caught in this trap. You see the light of your campfire begin to diminish, Felthrin. Hey, and Garandan, how do you proceed? If the, uh... I mean, if, if it's all kind of back to normal now, the portal's closed, demon's gone, I think Felthran would try to get back to Bramble. As you return to Bramble, you notice that Hay picked up a little bit of the goo. And he, where did you dispose of it, Hay? Uh, I have a little vial that I just kind of scraped it off my finger and into the vial and Bramble, you see the three of them returning, possibly in somewhat of a hurried fashion. Uh, he'll say in his somewhat broken dwarven, What was that? 
I heard some, some horrid sound. Oh, looks like the demons are already coming. What does a demon? What do the demons have to do with the deer carcass? I don't know, Garandan. What did you see? Um, uh, as I dispelled their magic and got closer, that was when it arm came out. So anyone unsuspecting and entered that area, uh, and wasn't as prepared as as we were, would have a a bad time and a, a bad smell. I'm afraid for the deer we passed. I, what if that was another portal? What if, what if, I don't know how big that portal was. You said one started to come through. Do you think? Well, this deer was swelling. Did you see any swelling? No, I, I don't think so. Well, it wasn't swelling when I saw it the first time, so. I don't know if it was just happening in the... Maybe I stepped into the circle and caused it to react. You do have a good point, Bramble, but, I mean, these things could be anywhere, and who knows? I'm just afraid they might be preparing to invade Grovelore or something. I, it seems almost silly, but maybe it's not. Bramble, if you would make an Arcana check, and anyone who speaks of this one would do the same. Seven. You know it was Abyssal, but he didn't pick up the specificity of what was said. But you could tell it was intelligent. And then you hear it. Shriek. Echoing from back where you came. And then another. And then another. Scattered throughout the areas of the forest, you hear a swell and a pop. And finally, the shrieking. Oh dear. No dear. I'm just glad I wasn't near. <laughs> well, have no fear. You're all level 17 or something like that. <laughs> so, Can we have that in writing, please? As this, area, <laughs> as this area becomes hostile, please roll initiative. All right, with Bramble at 20, Felthren at 16, Hay in third place at 13, and Garandan last but not least. Three. You hear the shriek echo through the night from various areas, north, south, east, west, but all seeming to be coming from the forest, including a very specific place that you just left, Bramble. You can safely assume that this deer were very similar in existence. The description that Felfin described was exactly the same thing. Felfin, as you saw it grow and swell to twice its size, Garandan, as you notice, the power that came from it was a teleportation magic connecting to some other plane. As you saw that demonic entity reach out in desperation, Felthorn smashed it, and Hay gathered some of the goo. Hay, as you step into the uh, the um, the state, the status of defense readiness, I need you to make a Constitution saving throw. 
Okay, 19. I'll roll a d100. Hey, as everyone's gathering around, you stand up and you feel your finger beginning to tingle. It doesn't feel good like the way the elemental arc skated up and down as that demonic anchor. You look down, your finger has become totally black and has shrunken in size. Your index finger by which you gathered the ichor is twice as small as the rest of your fingers. And you feel this demonic venom beginning to pulse through your system and you resist it. How do you do so? As I notice it, a, a shock of panic runs through me and I immediately mutter something to the lady and then it's like my eyes turn, they don't actually do this, but they, it's like they turn to look back inside me and then suddenly I'm traveling through my body and down to, uh, through my arm, through the artery, the brachial artery and right into the veins and then down to that finger. And then it's like I'm inside my finger just pushing and pushing. And so slowly the color begins to re resume up the length of my finger. I don't know that I completely push it out, but it's starting to resume its color. And you stay the demonic ichor from entering the rest of your body, but you notice the permanent resolution is your finger is still twice as small. You hear her inside your head say, You can only imagine what it would have done to the rest of your body. And then you feel her grab you in your consciousness. She holds you with both hands and says, I'm going to need something from you. Thank you for the gift, but I will need you when the time is right to avenge my broken heart. You're on the path, hey. You've made me very happy, but now I need you to do me a favor. What is, what is it? What is it? I need you to kill someone. Who? Someone who broke my heart. I'll tell you more. But be careful what you touch. I need you around. And you begin to hear for the first time a desperation in her voice that she almost lost. An instrument a priceless artifact, a vase nearly knocked over. She grabs it and holds on to you, staying the, the poison from taking hold of your body, turning you into what ungodly form of who knows what. And she says, I can't have you damaging yourself. Yes, Leah, it was foolish. It was foolish. And then you hear abyssal shrieks tearing through the forest. Top of the round, Bramble. How do you respond to the situation? Uh, he's gonna sort of try to echo locate at least to figure out which direction the closest one seems to be um, and put himself between that source and the commoners. Roll a um, for me, please, then. One. Uh, you sense it coming from the south. There is a quick patter of feet almost like the skating, as you can imagine, a spider if it was moving like 80 miles an hour. Um, he'll 
call out and take a shot in that general direction. I don't know if there's any chance of hitting it, but just to bring everyone's attention to that area. Over here. But I really want to see you do it. Okay. Disadvantage? No. Just Okay. I see. Well, I rolled a three, so no. (laughs) (laughs) What, like a 23? No, 15. Okay. Your arrow... Uh, zooms off into the distance and you can tell by the sound that it barely makes a target just echoing throughout the forest. Next up is Felthren. How do you respond to this situation? Uh, Felthren hears Bramble fire into the into the woods and he's going to run in that direction. Uh, if he sees something to smash, he's going to smash it with his hammer. Otherwise, he's going to run in that direction and then get um, take maybe like one step past Bramble and then t- take a, a uh, defensive stance ready ready in action to smack the first thing he sees. And as you do that, you hear the sounds of abyssal shrieks coming from the west as well, not only from the south. But Bramble and Felthren are facing the south, so we continue on. Hey, how do you respond to the situation? I think I'll hold my action. What would be the trigger? If something enters uh, line of sight. Garandan, how do you respond to this situation? Speaking of that, how is line of sight? Like, it's dark, right? It's night. It's very dark, and at this point, you cannot hear anything. Uh, Bramble alone is the only one that can hear any chittering and movement of feet. And again, it sounds, if you could describe it, it sounds like a spider moving about 80 miles an hour. Um, so Garandan's, uh, going to send up uh, his spell Daylight, which is creates a 60-foot ring of uh, light around us. Okay. Uh, just, like, just straight up and just and, like, let there be light. <laughs> and at as that happens, the entire area becomes full of daylight, and the old commoner wakes up and says, Whoa! Is it morning already? Stay back, my friend. He looks at the intensity of all of you and the demons begin to converge on your camp. And so our story concludes. I was wondering how you're gonna do that. I was just like, oh, it's like...